I hear something saying. We had so much fun on our Bad Boys episode that we decided to record another one dedicated to our fascination with and love of prison movies. In this part two of sorts, we discuss prison movie themes like revenge and redemption, some of the tropes and go-tos, such as the welcome to prison speech and the guy who can get anything. And we also point out how great prison films like The Longest Yard and Starred Up have a little something more to say about the human condition. We chop up films that have an element of prison movies within them, but aren't exactly prison movies like Deadlock, Face Off, Tango and Cash, and Out of Sight. Can I get a pee break, boss? <laughs> sure you can, but hurry back before you miss our podcast exploring one of our favorite film genres, prison movies. So you have what I would call true prison movies. Well, let me say this, and you tell me if you agree with this. You know, I'm always one to kind of set boundaries for myself. <laughs> So that I don't get too far off the rails. But for me, if it's a prison movie, Mm -hmm. it has to have two elements. The bulk of the story has to take place within the prison. And it has to include prison culture and prison dynamics. Yes. So, you know, you have movies where something happens and, you know, 20 minutes of the movie is out of prison. 20, 30 minutes of movies in prison and then another portion is out of prison. Or they do flashbacks Mm -hmm. like an out of sight, which I know you haven't seen. You know, there are moments where they go back and forth between Lompoc Prison, which I think is in Florida. Okay. And they go back and forth where, you know, uh, Ving Rang's character and Clooney's character are in prison. And then they meet Don Cheadle's character. And then they all get out of prison. and then meet, But it's, it flashes back, back and forth, back and forth. So for me, if it's a true prison movie, the bulk of the story happens in prison. And it includes prison culture, prison nomenclature, prison dynamics. Uh, that whole thing we were talking about on the Bad Boys conversation where the, 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 you get a sense of you're a voyeur watching a system within a system within a system. And it's all kind of happening underground or in, in some isolated place. Right. Like it's, it's, it's immersion. Like you're immersed in that right, culture. Yeah. Right, right, right. So you begin as the viewer and as an audience member experiencing the movie with the same limitations desperation that the people in the film do you want you understand why they're doing it you know what i'm saying so for me like you know there are true prison movies like cool hand luke like shawshank redemption like bad boys like the longest yard which is probably probably my favorite okay um and others escape from alcatraz birdman of alcatraz out that kind of thing and then you have movies that are kind of uh, prison adjacent, if you will. <laughs> so, you know, like a movie like White Heat, oh, where it, it happened, it starts outside of the prison, and yeah. then the the main character, James Cagney's character, ends up in prison. Yes. And you get a sense of prison life while he's in there, but he gets out again, doesn't he? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's not truly in prison. It's really a crime movie, and him being incarcerated is an element of that. Yeah, and it's funny because even while he's in prison, you do get the element of a prison movie, Right. Though. The hierarchies and, and mm-hmm. what's what's currency and what isn't. And, exactly. Just yeah. With that, in that little yeah. short segment, you get that. And yeah. I think that's when I first, as a kid, like in summers in Chicago watching old black and white movies, that's where I first got a sense of 
prison culture, mm. that it is a, a different thing than the outside world and how different it is. And and obviously those old prison movies and even like Escape from Alcatraz, where the prison didn't look that goddamn bad. <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying? The halls look pretty damn clean. The floors look pretty clean. Well, you know, you well, know. It, it, it didn't take place on Alcatraz, like the real Alcatraz. The real, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and you know, there was, you know, the inevitable shower scene, which we'll get into tropes and yes. things later. <laughs> you know, always got to have a shower scene in a prison yeah. movie. They, I mean, they had them in Oz. They had them on uh, Orange is the New Black. Yes. You know, it doesn't matter what it is. You got to have the shower scene where somebody tries to get a little sporty and <laughs> sporty. and got to get checked. <laughs> but White Heat, mm. Dark Passage starts out in prison, but it's oh, a prison yeah. escape. Mm-hmm. You know, he escapes from his POV, as a matter of fact. Yes. Yeah. You know? um, I'm going to throw some other names at you and you tell me. Okay. Escape from New York is kind of a prison movie. It is, actually. Yes. It has all. I mean, it's sci-fi. High concept, but you have the hierarchy. The hierarchy and Isaac Hayes' character. I'm the big cheese. Or what does he call himself? The, the Duke. The Duke. I'm the Duke. I'm the man. You know. <laughs> you know. You have what's currency, what isn't. Right. You know. You have the desperation of we're never going to get out of here. Mm-hmm. Um. You know. All of that. It's there. Yep. You know. He's he's the new. He's the outsider who's coming in, and mm-hmm. you know he's got to prove himself. You know they even have the, the fight in the ring where it's kind of like a gladiator thing. Where yes, he, he has yeah. to fight the big guy, so it has those elements. True. Um, Deadlock <laughs> with Rutger Howard and Mimi uh, Mimi Rogers, and apparently also known as Wedlock. Wedlock, which we were <laughs> we were laughing about that before we started recording. It was like, wait a minute, did they rebrand this? You know, um, Face Off. Oh yeah, has that weird 20 minutes that it's awesome yes you know where you know he's in jail and they have the boots on and you know and then you know and then he breaks out as a plan to break out and it's john yeah. travolta but it looks like nicholas cage yes. and he's like oh my god <laughs> uh tango and cash uh yeah you know to a much lesser degree to a much lesser degree <laughs> but it still was yeah. like we're in prison yeah. we gotta escape you know and uh, and we're both really good looking and have our you know our golden locks and you know our you know our pe- our pecs and yeah yeah you're all good looking. Um, now, Dead Man Walking is another one where it's not really a prison movie. It's a like it it seems to be like a wrongfully yeah you know incarcerated person kind of movie. It's about somebody who was you know who was convicted of something. That they didn't do, or maybe they didn't do. We're not sure. Mm-hmm. This was around the time of like the life of David Gale and some other movies yep. that came out around that. Seemed the, like that same thing. That yep. same era. Mm-hmm. But it does show you Sean Penn's life in prison and as as a death row inmate. Death row may even be its own subgenre within prison movies, like with Monsters Ball, uh, this Green Mile, Green Mile yeah. you know, and and maybe a few others that we could probably think of. Mm-hmm. And then out of sight, of course, I mentioned uh, out of sight. You know, it kind of goes back and forth. Uh, Law Abiding Citizen, <laughs> not a good movie <laughs> with Jamie Foxx and uh, uh, Gerard Butler. Butler. Yeah, <laughs> Law Abiding Citizen because a good bit of it takes place in in prison or jail or whatever. Yeah. Uh, American History X. You know, he goes to prison. And then the last two, uh, both with Michael B. Jordan, Fruitvale Station. Okay. And because there seems some really intense scenes there with his mother, where his mother goes to visit him. Mm. And he cusses his mom out, you know, and, you know. Yeah. And then uh, Just Mercy. 
Oh, with yeah. Jordan, well, he, well, he played the attorney, right? He played the attorney, and, and, and Jamie, Jamie Fox, Fox plays yeah. the uh, the man. He's 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 uh, but again, wrongfully convicted. Yeah. There are elements of prison, but you don't really get a sense of that. You get more of a sense of I'm the crusader who's going to save this guy. That's really what the movie is about. Got the got the one more in there, yeah. just, just for shits and laughs, man. Yeah, I just saw it recently on HBO Max. I saw it again. Death Warrant with John Claude Van Damme. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and um, there's another one that Chris and I watched, and I'm, this is going to crack you up, Uh-oh. called The Informer. The Informer. Uh, with uh, Joel Kinnerman, who was in, in Suicide Squad, and he was also he was also in that he was in that that RoboCop uh, the new reboot, one? the new RoboCop. Yeah. Okay. Joel Kinnerman. How long ago did this come out? The Informer. Three, four, five years ago, something like that. It's real, relatively recent, but. Okay. It was it was one of those where you it was during the pandemic, so we were just looking for something to watch. <laughs> I'm reading it. Joel Kinnaman was in uh, the Hannah TV show. He played her father, oh. and I really liked his performance. I said, "Let's let's watch this." Well, we loved uh, him and Hannah. Yeah. And um, he comes on. The movie's going. He's like a guy who gets a, um, he goes into prison on purpose, oh, okay. so he could do something. Yeah. I forget what the plot yeah. was. It's okay. It's going on pretty good. It's pretty good. Pretty good. And then there's a scene where this black cop shows up at a crime scene mm-hmm. and he comes out of the, the police car and all you see is the back of his bald shaved head. He's a fair skinned black cop. Yeah. And I turned to my wife and I grabbed her and I said, I think that's common. Oh, oh. <laughs> and she said, oh no. <laughs> and was it? It was. <laughs> and then I almost heard you, oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> he's oh, so awful and the movie just goes downhill from there <laughs> oh boy you know you're gonna get like that that his 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 breathy line readings so uh, what we got here what <laughs> what happened i used to love her <laughs> <laughs> every time he speaks you're waiting on him to say i used to love her <laughs> She went out west. That's where she used to get her money at. And she used to get her weed at. <laughs> but, and then also, too, you have, like, you know, where the people will mix prison movies with other genres, like yeah. comedies. Yeah. So, and then, again, elements of it. So, you got, like, Stir Crazy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Blues Brothers. Yeah, of course. Uh, Madea goes to jail. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Ernest goes to jail. <laughs> And uh, Get Hard with uh, Kevin Hart and, and Will Ferrell. Yeah, so you have, you know, those others in there. But um, oh, when did you first become aware of the genre? Oh, man. Man, this is crazy. Uh, and was it Bad Boys? Was that it? Was that your entry point? Uh, that might have been. But before that, though, um, both you and I, we grew up in the 80s, okay? So we grew up in the era of video stores. Okay? Right, right. And um, our parents, especially my dad, he would always get like once they start showing up on VHS movies from like the seventies exploitation. Mm-hmm. So, oh yes, I know where you're going with this. Go you ahead. Know exactly <laughs> where I'm going. Go and this is one of those movies I could not watch. My dad forbade me yes. to watch it. Yes. Um, he came home one day and you you know when he bring the movies in, you know, I'd rifle through it and see. Oh man, cool. Oh, you got that Schwarzenegger movie. Oh, cool. I picked up one of them and it said penitentiary on it. And my dad said, Adrian, do not watch that movie. Do not watch it. Mm-hmm. I was like, why? 
is like, just listen to me. Don't watch it, okay? Just don't watch it. And he, he could let me watch anything else. It was cool to see Schwarzenegger blow 50 people away, but I ain't watching no penitentiary. <laughs> so I would say, because I did end up watching it when they weren't home, and I was like, ooh, ooh, yeah, maybe I, maybe I shouldn't have watched this. Wow, no, ooh. <laughs> Too sweet, and then fighting a... Find somebody over a box and miss the good bars and Sir, uh, sir, uh, too uh, sweet. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, uh. So I would say there, that's probably where I was like, prison movies. Hmm. It's so funny that that was, I mean, for anybody where we come from and you know, in, in black culture, yep. that was a staple. Yes. Like people knew about that. Mm-hmm. People talked about it. And of course, they talked about it more infamously later when Leon Isaac Kennedy, who plays Too Sweet, marries Jane Kennedy and the infamous sex tape comes out. Yes. One of the very first sex, maybe the first sex tape I had ever heard of. Mm-hmm. And for anybody who doesn't know who Jane Kennedy is, just Google Jane Kennedy in the 80s. And she's fine. fine as fine as frog hair. So yes. just like yes. all get out. Mm-hmm. And th- that... But that was a thing. And even like, you know, there were prison elements in a lot of the black exploitation movies of the mm-hmm. 70s. Yeah. You know, people coming out of jail, going back to the streets, you know, bad people who are on the streets who are, you know, involved in, in a life of crime and then they end up going yeah. to prison. Right. Um, but the prison element was a real part of, of the black exploitation movies of the 70s. Yeah. And this came out in 79 yeah. and was leaning hard into the 80s. I think Too Sweet had a, he, didn't he have a, a relaxer or Jerry Curl or something? He started out in Penitentiary 1 with the Afro. Then they made a sequel, Penitentiary 2, in 82, where he had to relax. In the he had the relaxer? Films. Okay. And then they made a Penitentiary 3 put out by my favorite, Canon Films. Oh. That came out in 88. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yes. Okay. And so by then, he still had that relaxer. You okay. Know what I'm saying? Okay. But yeah, like penitentiary and a lot of those black exploitation, yeah, for sure. That was kind of like my introduction to it. Okay. But as far as good prison films, correct, correct, <laughs> correct. That would be stuff like, yeah, Bad Boys. And um, I would say later, like when they started showing White Heat. You know, of course, on TBS. You right. know what I'm saying? Right. Stuff like that. It was like, okay. Right. No, no, this is good. Okay. Right. And any edits made to White Heat were probably going to be minimal, more so for time than for Good. content. Exactly. You know, <laughs> than anything else. One through a party in the county jail. The prison band was there, they began to wail. The band was jumping and the joint began to swing. You should have heard this knocked out jailbird sing that rock. Everybody let rock. Everybody You know what, man? My again, the first one that I really remember loving was The Longest Yard. Oh, okay. And it's because, you know, I had I saw all the Burt Reynolds movies. Yeah. I loved Smokey and the Bandit. I loved Hooper. Yeah. I loved uh Sharky's Machine. <laughs> I loved uh Did you like City Heat? I liked City Heat. <laughs> I liked. Um, Did you like? He had one actually called Heat, not Michael Mann's Heat, but just. I don't know that I've seen Heat. Okay. I don't know that I've seen Heat. I liked the movie Deliverance, ah. but I mean it was a good movie. Yeah. But um, and I'm trying to think of others with him. But I was a, I was a Burt Reynolds fan. Gotcha. You know, and then he's playing this kind of character who's. You know, out of control in his re- in his regular life. You know, he's you know drinking and drugging, and 
you know, and he's, you know, very, he's just out of control. Mm-hmm. You know, he smacks that woman in the beginning of the movie. We're like, wow, Damn, you, are you still doing that? You know? <laughs> and then, you know, he ends up in prison. Yeah. And like a lot of Burt Reynolds movies where there's action and there's violence and the threat of violence and tense moments and then lighter moments and then downright funny moments. Mm-hmm. So when he's being uh, in, when he's being onboarded into the prison, where they do the intake. Yeah. And he goes and he meets the warden. Who's the actor who played the warden? Jack somebody, wasn't it? It, it wasn't. I'm, I'm confusing movies. It wasn't Eddie Albert. Was it was it? Eddie Albert. It was oh. Eddie Albert. You're correct. It was Eddie Albert. And Eddie Albert is the warden. And and then he you meet uh, Bernadette Peters, who mm. plays the secretary. And she's got that, that, that big curly wig on. And she had them boobs pushed up, too. And was, saying, and was still looking yes. still looking great. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and it just there would just there would be funny elements, funny moments, and then there would be really serious, tense moments. Yeah. And I just remember really loving the movie. I was kind of a football fan at the time. I think I was playing f- football, uh, Little League football. Okay. Um, number 88, I was a tackle, I think. <laughs> um, and... Just really liked it. And and that's when I realized, okay, again, there is a whole culture mm-hmm. of the brutes and the thugs. And then you have the guys who kind of move in and out in and around those and don't get brutalized. You have the smart character who kind of knows how to get around the system and provides things for people. So he's protected caretaker. Yeah. You know, um, you know, again, what is currency in the prison? What's valuable? These guys still manage to smoke weed and cigarettes and drink and and do all kinds of things in even prison. Even though it's prohibited. Even though it's prohibited, yeah. Um, you know what their relation, the, pr- the prisoners' relationships are with the guards. In the movie, the guards were even in some cases worse than the prisoners were. Mm-hmm. They were just as big a piece of shit as the guys who were the murderers and the rapists and the criminals and the thieves. Yeah. And and then all of a sudden, the movie, as a true movie should do. It manipulates you as an, as the viewer, and you start to side. And in this big football game with the guards against the prisoners, you want the prisoners to beat them. You want right. them to have their moment to shine and their moment in the sun. That's their brief moment of redemption before they go back to their cells, mm-hmm. some of them for the rest of their lives. And I just loved it. And then the ending sequence with Burt Reynolds where he's walking across the field, and, and the warden says, shoot him. Crew's trying to escape. Shoot him. Shoot him. And he picks up his rifle. Crew! Crew! He's trying to escape. Oh, shit. Officer! Crew! I'm talking to you! Crew! He's trying to escape. Here, shoot him. Crew! You gonna let him get away? Shoot him! Crew! Shoot him, you... Crew! Shoot him! Crew! Kill him! Kill that son of a bitch! Shoot him! And Paul, you know, Burt Reynolds is just walking and, and he's walking. And he looks like he's walking with the crowd, like he's trying to walk out of the, out of the, the stadium. Crew, he puts up the rifle. Crew, and a close up on the, and he's, you know, looking through the site. Crew, you know, because at this point, the guy with the rifle, who is like the head of the prison guards, he knows these guys actually have some heart within them. There is something worthwhile within them. He, he is. They have won his respect. Yeah. And he's like, shoot him, shoot him, shoot him. Yeah. And just before he's going to pull the trigger. Uh, Paul Crew, Burt Reynolds' character, picks up the football, turns around, and comes walking back. And then, you know, he hands him the he hands the warden the rifle and walks out. The, the you know the guard does, and then Crew, crew comes, and he hands the warden the football, hits him in the stomach, and says, "Now put that in your trophy case." <laughs> it's just a great yeah. movie, man. It just hit all the buttons for me, and it was, and again, it was 
gritty and hot and dirty and sweaty and repulsive and disgusting. But it was it 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 lifted me some kind of way. It's, it's been one of my favorites for for many many years. And, gotcha. And always always has. But yeah. Um, but anyway, the um, as far as prison movies go, I had a thought watching because I told you I rewatched Escape from Alcatraz. Yeah. <sighs> prison man is really just like high school without the pretense of any civility. Hmm. Yeah. It's, it's just high school. Yeah. You know, there's yeah, uh, cliques. Mm-hmm. You know, gangs. Yep. Uh, there's physical intimidation and bullying. Yep. There's sexual intimidation. Yep. Uh, there's uh, the cool kids who kind of run the place. Mm-hmm. You know, even unofficially, you have you get demerits. Yep. There are bells to tell you where to go, when to eat, when not to eat. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's even classes. There's classes. Yep. <laughs> you know, there's time stands still. We feel like, man, is this day ever going to end? You know, time stands still in high school. You yeah. think it's never going to end. Yeah. You know, you have the assholes who run the place. Then you have the main asshole who's in charge. It's just, yeah. it's kind of like high school in a way. Only, you know, in the same way that porn is like Hollywood, prison movies is like high school. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Hollywood tries to act like it's not like porn. No, it's like porn. It's just porn yeah. just doesn't have any pretense of respecting anybody. Right. <laughs> you know, it's just, no, we're here to do what we're going to do. <laughs> but what are what are some of your, your favorites in the genre other than bad boys and, and oh, what, what we've discussed? Oh, man, I can, I can run off a litany of them. If I can start from the, uh, the 30s, yeah. man. My favorites from the 30s is I was a the whole title I was a prisoner from a I was a chain gang I was a prisoner I know I was a fugitive from a chain gang I I've seen that title I've never seen the movie I've seen the title though and I was like that's a hell of a title yeah. great movie Paul Mooney great <coughs> that's one of my favorites I love that mm-hmm. and it has it has your, one of your favorite elements in there too the prison break right and right. the escape and him trying to make another life and then it's great. See it if you ever get a chance. Okay. Uh, I was a fugitive from a chain gang. Um, the Big House from 1930 mm-hmm. uh, with uh, Wallace Beery and Robert Montgomery. That's a good one. I've seen that a couple of times now on streaming. And these are obviously all black and white in the 30s oh, and 40s. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Okay. And these are at the beginnings of, I guess you could call it a genre. And they were not only, I guess, as they were built at the time as like, you know, these melodramatic movies, but they also had some social conscience to them as well. You know, because we're talking in the depths of the Great Depression. Right. And right. so movies then, they were concerned as much about uplifting audiences as showing like kind of the social underbellies, if you will, even if it was through like this Hollywood lens. Right. And even given that, they were kind of tough movies too. Mm-hmm. Not as tough as they would be later on, but still for that time, it was like, wow. Okay, they actually talk about that? Oh, okay. You know? Uh, so the Big House with Wallace Beery. Then you also have um, James Cagney, who's good for these, man. Yeah. Um, Each Dawn I Die with him and George Raft. Sir, that sounds like a Stanley title. Each Dawn I Die. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It does but that's a good one. Um, also another one with, um, with James Cagney, The Mayor of Hell. Which um, damn, you going deep on these these old school jam- man, jammies, yo? Good one, I love these old school jammies. Yeah, yo, um, he plays a warden that comes in to a juvie facility, and it has, of course, it has the dead end kids in it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. 
Um, but jumping ahead, man, uh, for me, you have to jump to the 60s. So you got stuff like Cool Hand Luke, mm-hmm. then going into the 70s, you know, Papillon, mm-hmm. um, The Longest Yard. The Great Escape. Oh, yeah, thank you. The Great mm-hmm. Escape. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get to like the late 70s and black exploitation and stuff like that, which we previously discussed. Mm-hmm. And then you got 83 Bad Boys and To the Present, Shawshank Redemption, mm-hmm. so forth, so forth. Yeah. Do you think prison movies are made better when they have that extra element to them? Like you're saying, that, you know, like the, the attempts, the early attempts in the 30s and 40s at social consciousness and to to have it be somewhat of a cautionary tale. Or in the case of like like I mentioned with uh, with Startup mm-hmm. and. Um, uh, well, I'll use that as my example. Okay. Startup is it's a prison movie, but it's really about like the fa- a father and a son kind of mm-hmm. reconciling yeah. their differences. They've been separate. They've become different people. He's been incarcerated most of his son's life. His son has ended up in prison. This is the uh, movie that came out a couple years ago, three, four, five years ago with uh, Ben Mendelsohn, and I forgot the young actor who plays his son. Okay. But his son is a 17-year-old who has been in and out of the juvie in, in Britain. His father is incarcerated in an adult prison. Starred up means that you're so violent and you're so out of control, you can't be in juvie anymore. They're just going to put you in with the grown-ass grown men in an adult prison. And that's where the title comes from. And then he goes into prison where his father is, and his father's kind of like, kind of the big, one of the big kahunas in, in, in the prison, so to speak. But it's speaking more, to, in other words, do you, do they, is it, are they better when they have stuff like that? Extra something going on? Because um, Escape from Alcatraz is just... It's just, it's just it's, an escape. Exactly. It's exactly what it says it is. Mm-hmm, yeah. Exactly. Um, I think given that stuff from the uh, 30s and, and the 40s, the, not so much the 40s, but definitely the 30s, the added element of social conscious helps because here to before, you hadn't had that shown on screen. And even though the movies were still in their infancy then, mm-hmm. I mean, they had just started talking, if you will. Right. And they're already making movies about this subject. So I think it helped you know, that they added that in there because that's what audiences were looking for. They're looking for hard-hitting stories that were also reflective, reflective. of what they were going through yeah. or somebody they knew was going through. As opposed to later prison movies where, you know, they were able to just show that in the context, you know. It was social conscience with all this other stuff added in. So the whole movie itself was a package really to say, don't come here. Please, if you if you mm-hmm. do crime, you're gonna end up here with some type of depiction like we're showing here, and we're able to show much more than we used to. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of closer to, I mean, with certain Hollywood elements, of course, but this is not too far from what you may face when you come in here. So this should be a cautionary tale of, don't do crime, please, don't 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 come in here. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I think you know, 
what you're talking about in terms of, you know, these stories, hard hitting stories post, you know, the Great Depression, a lot of poor people, a lot of people, you know, desperate. And we talked about this a little bit on the uh, film noir episode. You know, these these stories started to emerge after the depression of down and out people who are in desperate situations. Mm -hmm. And in watching Escape from Alcatraz, I was watching it on uh, uh, MGM um, on cable this morning. Yeah. And my wife came and she sat down and she's asking questions and I'm trying to tell her what I can. But, you know, you have to kind of just watch the movie. You know, well, what, is this? what does that mean? What does that mean? This, what's going on here? And then, you know, they do the uh, the end card at the end. And, you know, the character that uh, Clint Eastwood plays, Frank Morris, mm -hmm. you know, they say what happened to him and the two brothers and they were never bodies were never found. They never resurfaced in the free world, so to speak, or whatever, under new identities. You know, the case was left open for many, many years, blah, 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 blah. She's oh, this is a true story. So she said, why don't you look up? And see if they ever found out anything. And they never found these guys. They never found their bodies. And they never did show up under assumed identities like a, you know, like a Nazi who escaped Argentina right. or somewhere in middle America. But in reading about Frank Morris in, you know, and that took place in 1962. Frank Morris, you know, the movie Escape from Alcatraz came out in 79, I think it was. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, and in San Francisco, Clint Eastwood's favorite place to shoot. Yeah. <laughs> Oddly enough. Yeah. But in reading about the real Frank Morris, I said, oh, I mean, when you read about people who grew up in the 20s and 30s, I mean, these this guys were just shitbags. Mm -hmm. It was just like degenerate criminals. Yes. You know, robbed your first person at 13 and 14 and started robbing banks at 17, killed a man at 18 uh, to, you know, you know. I mean, you read these stories about these, you know, like the old cowboys. You know, all those guys were just they were just horrible degenerates who just desert. They should have flushed them in a fucking toilet. Yeah. And he was exactly that. Now, Clint Eastwood plays him more, way more charismatic and taller. He, this, right. The real Frank Morris was five seven. Clint Eastwood is like six six four. Yeah. Six, four <laughs> you know. Um, but they did say that Frank Morris had one of the highest IQs. He was like one hundred and thirty three IQ yeah. or something like that. So he was in the top two percent. In terms of his, uh, you know, his intelligence quotient, but you know, that's what you would read about all these people back then, you know. And then just think, you know, in that era, like my wife was saying, like it, that's another thing about prison movies. Mm. She was like, it just seemed like it'd be easier to escape from prison in the sixties. Like, well, if, if you got out, how are they going to catch you? Mm. There's, there's no nationwide network of computers. There's no internet. You know, you could call somebody and hang up on them. And they couldn't star sixty nine you and say, "Oh, you know, no call ID." That's none of that stuff. You know, if you got out and you shaved your head and grew a beard and put on some glasses and changed your name and somehow managed to integrate back into society, mm -hmm. and think about it, you know, you could you could get driver's licenses and things much easier then than you can now. You, you could fake them too. You could fake them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it just seems like if you could escape, you you could escape. Yeah. You know. And they didn't have prison, you know, cameras and CCTV in there watching you all at, you know, like they do now, you know, uh, you know, in the in the movie, you know, everybody's got the mirrors to try to see when the bull, the bulls <laughs> yeah. coming down the corridor, or, you know, you know, handing each other stuff, you know, pull, you know, pulling a kite, yeah, 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 or you know, you hand something to somebody else and they go to their cell and they mm -hmm. hand it to somebody else, they hand it to somebody else, and then it gets to the person it's supposed to get to, yeah, none of that stuff. Mm -hmm. So it just seemed like it was just way easier to kind of do these things and get away with them, you know, pre. <laughs> computers and internets and DNA and 
you know, nationwide fingerprinting and, you know, blood, all this kind of stuff. None of this, none of that stuff existed. But now let me ask this just as a as a slight tangent. Do you feel like that that's why you don't see a lot of prison escape movies nowadays like set in present? Day? Well, when you think about it, you don't see a lot of prison escape movies. You see jailbreak movies, but you or jail. You hear stories about jailbreaks, jailbreak. but you don't see prison escape movies like you did before. Yeah. And you also don't see movies about serial killers or hear stories about serial killers anymore. And I think because they get caught before they're able to establish a pattern. Mm. There's so many cameras and there's so many ways for you to be found out. Either they're not doing it or they're doing it one time and they're getting caught. And so you never see a pattern. You just think, oh, this person's just a psycho who killed somebody. Gotcha. But you didn't see the given. You didn't see them have an opportunity to repeat this behavior over and over again. And get a charge from it and a sexual satisfaction. And then they, you know, all the stuff that we saw in the 70s. The 70s, the 60s and the 70s were a perfect time for serial killers because, you know, sexual revolution and college co-eds and yeah. free love and people are hitchhiking all over the country and fuck the man. And all right, all right, man, go fuck you back. <laughs> and you saw it, you know, you that saw you saw it and it petered out in the 80s and 90s when all of a sudden, you know, things got different. But yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why they, they don't actually show, you know, or why we don't see more uh, prison escape movies, but probably because it's just harder to do. Mm-hmm. You know, they got cameras and microphones everywhere, you know, yeah, and, sure. you, and you ain't got no rights. <laughs> yeah. So do you think that Gut Instinct, The Shawshank Redemption is the greatest prison movie of all time? No. You don't? No. It's up there, but it's not the greatest. It's not the greatest? It's not the greatest. Why do you think it's not the greatest? I don't necessarily think it is the greatest, but I think in many people's eyes, it does a lot of things. That's the thing. It does a lot of things that a prison movie kind of is supposed to do. Like mm-hmm. it has all the tropes. Most of the A tropes. lot of them. A lot yeah, of them. Yeah. But, you know, it has everything that a prison movie is supposed to do. Um, just the added element of a sympathetic, you know, lead and a second lead with um, Red and uh, Tim Robbins' character, I forget his name. Andy Dufresne. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I can't forget that. Andy Dufresne and Red. You know, you have that relationship there that kind of sets it apart. But then again, you have that in many a prison movie. Mm-hmm. You know, the new fish that comes in and makes friends with an older, established, you know, wizened prisoner, if you right. will. Who kind of shows him the ropes and they start to get a liking to each other. Right. And therefore form some type of bond. Maybe not a friendship, like buddy-buddy, but it's like that thing of like, you know... You're a good guy, you know, that type of thing. Right. You know, so while I don't think it's the greatest, it is a great prison movie, though. Yeah. That cannot be denied. Yeah, I think so, too. And you're talking about the uh, the actors or the character who comes in, um, who was the new person. Yeah. And, and, and Clint Eastwood's character in... Um, and Escape from Alcatraz wasn't a new. He was actually being shipped from another prison where he he'd escaped. Yeah, that was his reputation, and then it took him to the Rock because they were like, okay, nobody ever escapes from the Rock. Right. But in a lot of the movies that we've we've been talking about in Bad Boys, it happens where you know Sean Penn comes in and and Mick O'Brien becomes friends with Horowitz, mm-hmm. and Horowitz kind of shows him the ropes. Right. You know, he's younger than than uh, Mick is, but he shows him the ropes. In Escape from Alcatraz. Frank Morris's character comes in and meets English, who's played by Paul Benjamin. Yes. And he kind of becomes that. Just a quick aside, watching it. English is sitting amongst the other black prisoners on the steps. Mm-hmm. And uh, Clint Eastwood's character, Frank Morris, comes over and he comes and he talks to uh, English. 
And he's getting ready to walk away. And English says, yeah, I noticed you didn't sit down with me. He says, are you? He says, did you not sit down with me because uh, you were intimidated or because you don't like niggas? And so Clint Eastwood turns around and he sits down next to Paul Benjamin's character, English. And he says, I don't like niggas. <laughs> right, just that right Eastwood smile, just, you know. But but the whole movie is a back and forth of them kind of earning each other's respect and then eventually finding some kind of a bond or connection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, and that pays off for Clint Eastwood's character later in the movie when Wolfie comes back to uh, yes. to exact his revenge. But then also, too, the same thing happens again with Red and, like you said, Andy Dufresne and Shawshank Redemption. Even though that is, between that one and Driving Miss Daisy, that was the birth uh, or the, oh, sta- the magical Negro yes. character. <laughs> and you know what? To further your point... It seems like that is the case. It's always the wizened prisoner is always some older black man. Yeah. Death warrant. Robert Gilliam to Jean-Claude Van Damme coming in. Right. Right. <laughs> and even in Malcolm X. Yeah, you <laughs> Brother so-and-so, you know, he was the wizened, <laughs> yeah. you know. Here's a nutmeg. Drink it. Right. <laughs> Help you get over the shakes. You won't be sick. You got that poison in your body. <laughs> The Honorable Elijah Muhammad tells us <laughs> that our bodies should be clean. <laughs> but I don't know. I think a lot of people would consider it the, one of the greatest, mm. you know, again, because it has prison elements. It's a redemption story. Yeah. It's got two big stars in it. Yeah. Um, and it somehow works with a running voiceover throughout the course of the movie, which, you know, a lot of times people say is, is a crutch and is... Uh, uh, it's not often done well in Hollywood, but it's it's done really, oh, yes. really well and effectively mm-hmm. in that movie. And Frank Darabont, you know, that was his first feature f- directorial. I believe it was. His directorial debut. Yeah. Uh, 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 so. Hello, I'm Johnny Cash. I hear the train a coming. It's rolling around a bend. And I ain't seen the sunshine since I don't know when I'm stuck in Folsom Prison And time keeps dragging on But that train keeps rolling On down the sign and tone As far as some of the tropes Yes Okay. Plenty. You you lay out a few. I'll lay out a few. We'll we'll we'll, we'll bat the ball over the net a couple of times. <laughs> so what do you have to have for it to be a true prison movie? All right. Well, you know you have just off the bat. Every time somebody thinks about prison or jail or being incarcerated, what's the running joke? Don't drop the soap. So you have to have a, a shower scene. Got to have a shower scene. You have to have a shower scene because everyone knows that's code for oh boy. So. Certain movies, given a time period, play with that. They never showed that in those 30s and 40s films. No. It's like, no, nah, that's Did not they happening. even imply it? No. Well, no, no. I take that back. I take that back. They would do it, but it would be very, very veiled. You know, like, hey, uh, so-and-so, he really he really likes likes the younger guys. That's it. And you would okay, think that would be it. Okay. say, hmm, what does that mean? Okay. You know what I'm saying? Um just in a, a quick ta- uh, tack on with that, uh-huh. uh, that scene in Out of Sight, I love where Clooney's character gets out of prison mm-hmm. 
And while he's in prison, he's been protecting Albert Brooks, who is like a millionaire who's ended up in this violent prison. They don't explain how this millionaire ends up in a violent prison. Yeah. And so Clooney ends up kind of helping him and protecting him. And so when Clooney gets out, Albert Brooks gets out first and goes back to his regular life as a millionaire. Clooney gets out and he tells him, hey, look, come see me and I'll give you a job. And so Clooney goes and he tries to give Clooney like a bullshit security guard job. And Clooney gets pissed off and starts screaming at him. And as it relates to this point about the uh, gra- the the shower scene and grabbing the soap and yeah. grab your cheeks and all of that, Clooney tells him, he says, I protected you while you were in there. You would have been ice cream for freaks. For Maurice in there. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Like, ice cream. Ice cream ah. for freaks. <laughs> I seen that line. It was like, wow, oh. ice cream. <laughs> oh, when he, and when he said it, I was like, okay, that's not something somebody made up. Somebody in prison says, say this. Yeah. Hey, you know what I'm saying? Some writer heard somebody in prison say that, and then they put that in the script because nobody just made that up. <laughs> but go ahead. Other other, other tropes and go-tos. Oh, man. Well, you also got to have the scene where the new prisoners come in and all the other prisoners in the yard got to gather around and clap or do something like, yeah, or have their asides. Fresh fish coming in. Uh-huh. Ooh, new me. Sweet right there. New me. Cutie. Yeah. Hey, cutie. Yeah. Huh? You want a date? You want a date? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you got that. You also have the, um, in recent years, this has become a thing where prisoners, you have a scene where they all drink Pruno, which is prison wine. Right, right, you know right. What I'm saying? And it's kept in the toilet? Yes. Because exactly. <laughs> actually, you know, it's cool. It's cool, it's yeah. cooler to yeah. keep it in there. So, yeah, them sharing some prison wine. They get up like the little jug of wet, not the little bag, and they take a sip, and you know they always got to go, ah, <laughs> yeah, ah, yeah, what's yeah. in this shit? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Damn, there's so many. What you got, man? I, I love and I always wait for the welcome to prison, here are the rules speech. Yes. You got to have the person who tells you this is how it goes. You do this and you do that. You do good time and you get out. You keep your nose clean and you know, this keep is prison, clean. man. Yes. This is prison. <laughs> I might be ice cream for freaks if I don't watch my back. <laughs> um, you have the inmates who are the big deal in the mm. prison who kind of run the place. You know, you know the 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 tier below the guards and the COs and the screws and the bulls. They call them the trustees as well. The trustees are in yeah. bad boys. They were the barn boss, yeah. the barn bosses. You got to have the guy who can get anything. Mm-hmm. You know, who can smuggle things in and get things in out of the prison. You know, you what you need? You want some weed? You need some batteries for your radio? What what you need? I can get you anything. You know, yep. you got to have the old timer. Of course, got to have the old timer who's been there longer than anybody. And it's probably going to die in prison. Mm-hmm. I'll give you one. Go ahead. This is a holdover from the black exploitation, but now it's it was common throughout the ladies in very early nineties in prison movies. Mm-hmm. And these prison movies weren't considered like true true to crime prison movies. These are more like <laughs> fantasy prison movies, like okay. where people think prison is. Okay, it's you go down to the bowels of the prison. And one of the prisoners has now established his own cell down there. Oh, yeah, he has yeah. a harem of, like, his his he-women down there. <laughs> the, the queens. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and he's the guy who can kind of get you what you want, but mostly, like, he lives down there by himself with his harem. Somehow. Like, I got the finest, I got the finest bitches. Anyone you want. Right. You know, what, what do you need? 
you know, that type of thing. Yeah. And you've seen that in so many movies from like the black exploitation to, I'd say, like I said, the early 90s. Like, who's running this prison? Exactly. How do they let him just be down here with pink curtains and red sh- uh, chiffon and right. everything? Like, what? It almost reminds you of that scene in Goodfellas where they're in prison, but they're in the kitchen cooking and making yes. sauce and pasta. And, and you know, they're living the life of Riley, even though they're incarcerated because they're not truly yes. incarcerated. You exactly. Know? And, and that's what I mean. Like, that is documented fact, you know, for the most part, that, right. that kind of thing happens mm-hmm. but not this fantasy element of like oh he took over a whole floor in a basement of a no, prison some, somewhere that everybody forgot about exactly <laughs> yeah right okay <laughs> uh, uh gotta have the guard who's on the take yes and we'll, and we'll look the other way for a buck yes you gotta have the sensitive doctor or nurse mm. or chaplain yeah or therapist who sees the good in these guys and wants to see or girls if it's if it's in a woman's all women's prison yeah you know sees the good in them and 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 you know and wants to see them do better but you know ultimately you know Jeez. some of these motherfuckers ain't gonna make it out of here let's just, exactly. let's just keep it real um you got the warden who's either an asshole mm-hmm. or a tight ass Yes. Or both. That's what I was going to say. Yep. Or both. <laughs> and then, of course, you have the rape, like you mentioned. Yes. The gangs. Mm-hmm. The shank scene. You got it. You, 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 I, I look for the shank scene where it's like, oh, somebody going to get shanked. And you they got to work up to it. It's a suspense of like, it's like a bunch of activity happening. Yeah. And it's like, for whatever reason, the composition is all this activity. And it's that one prisoner who got the shank is going to work his way through the crowd. Right. We you see, you see a beeline. It's yeah. like you see, they're both in each other's eye line. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, 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 like Mr. Hine and Bruce Lee and Enter the Dragon. Right. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but those are all things that I think you see in tr- in true prison movies. Right, yeah. True prison movies. And then you have, like I said, the adjacent ones where there'll be elements of those things, but it's not fully explored. Mm-hmm. Like that was in start up when the movie opens, you know, the kid comes in and they make him get naked. And I'd never seen this in a prison movie where... He has to get naked, and they make him squat down and cough to make sure he's not hiding something in his crev- in his in his anus. That's right. Yeah. I, so I had never seen that before. I was like, "Oh wait, wow!" I had, okay. That was that was weird. And then he still manages to sneak something in, like a razor blade from a shaving kit or something. Right. How? I can't remember. I can't remember how he did it. Uh huh. But when he gets in his cell, he knows he's going to be tried because he knows this is an adult prison, and he knows that somebody you know, the bullies are going to try to yeah. take him. So he gets his toothbrush and he has a matches or a light or whatever, and he melts the toothbrush and then sl- sits the blade inside the toothbrush. So now he has a, a switch, you know, he has a, essentially a switchblade. Yeah. And this one guy, this one big old guy, they oh, get into yeah. it and he, you know, he, he fends him off the first time. And then the second time he knows it's going to go down and the guy comes in his cell or whatever and he grabs his blade and the guy tries to grab him from behind. He grabs his blade and he whips him. And cuts the guy's mouth open. It's like ah, and then you know threatens to cut his nose off and all this kind of stuff. And he and then the big guy who's a bully turns into a complete bitch afterwards. Mm. Um, that was that was that was again the whole introductory scene of welcome to prison and how they you know the intake process and then the idea that you're going to have to like establish yourself and establish your reputation that you're not going to take no bullshit. You yeah. know, and 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 usually that comes down to you got to beat the shit out of somebody. And then one more I got to mention. Yeah. There's always, you always got to have a cafeteria scene. 
the ca- oh yes, I forgot all about kid. that. And this goes back to your high school the, the, analogy at the beginning of the episode where you go into the cafeteria, and that's really where you learn the ins and outs. It's like, hey, don't sit with them. Hey, Wolfie over there, he likes you. It's like this. the cool kids, yep. the stoners, the nerds, mm-hmm. the outcasts, the jocks. It's 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 basically like that. And you exactly right. You gotta have the cafeteria scene. You might even get a good food fight. Yeah. <laughs> You know, or somebody gets hit with a with a cafeteria yeah. tray, um, or like like in White Heat where he goes off. Hey, Cody, your mother's dead. What? Yeah, <laughs> they drag his ass away. And, and, and Cody Jarrett knocks out not one, not everybody, two, but three guards. He was too tall. He was two pieces. Everybody, yo, <laughs> boo boo, oh, <laughs> boo boo, oh. <laughs> You are so right, yo. Damn, Jace Cagney was handing out beatdowns, dog. Oh man. <laughs> but you're right. It got it. The fight in the cafeteria. Now another one. That's two other ones that are prison adjacent to me in the sense that they have prison elements within them. Uh-huh. Reindeer games. <laughs> Again, I like reindeer games. I fuck with reindeer games. I will, I will never deny reindeer games. Right. I fuck with reindeer games. All right. But, you know, the prison fight, you know, and then, the, you know, he stabs him and oh, he takes the pill or whatever. Uh-huh. But you do get a sense of prison in there, you know, yeah. prison life in there, so to speak. Yeah. And then there's a uh, another one with Pam Greer. Is it is it white? Is it a uh, black mama, white mama? Yes. And they escape and they're they're handcuffed together. Yes. But they're in prison. There's a, and there's a shower scene. Is there not? There always is a shower. Oh my scene. god, and Pam Greer. Oh. oh my god. Yes, there is. Yes, Lord. <laughs> oh. So fine. Yes. Um, but I remember that one too. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was the first time I'd ever seen like the women's prison. Was like, wow, oh, these wow. chicks get it in just like like the dudes do. Now, small small tangent. That's another subgenre of this genre: women in prison. I'm not talking about reform school movies. Yeah. Like reform school girls. I'm talking about women in prison. You know, and Pam Grill was in two of them. There was White Mama, Black Mama. And then there was another one called The Big Bird Cage, where she is in prison with other girls in the Philippines. Oh. How she, why she is incarcerated in a Filipino prison, no one knows. That's probably, you know, she had, she got that disease. Yes. That's the, I think that's where she contracted it when mm-hmm. she was in the Philippines. Yeah. Exactly. You yeah. know, filming. And she filmed both of those back to back. Roger Corman was like, oh, wow, the big birdcage made money. We're going into production with another one immediately. <laughs> <laughs> but it's probably cheaper to shoot there. Exactly. That's, that's probably a large part of the reason why why they did it, you know. Um, mm-hmm. you know, And then also, too, probably to have them running through jungles or through whatever. And, you know, you got beaches and things, yeah, you know. Production value. Yeah. yeah. So. And there's another one. There's a movie that I watched as a kid, and I just refound it recently on streaming, called Vendetta from 1986. Mm-hmm. Total B movie. Total B movie. Okay. okay? Um, has no discernible stars that anyone would know. You know, total B movie. Um, but, again, it's a women in prison movie that I actually like. I actually like. And it has all the elements that you would find in there. The, the, the uh, rapey parts. You know, the intimidation parts, the racial parts, all the stuff you would find in regular male prison movies. But just it's in this subgenre of female prison movies, you mm-hmm. know. So that's a genre in and of itself, a subgenre. I won't deny it. I'm a straight rider. You don't want to fuck with me. Got the police busting at me. But they can't do nothing to you. Let's get ready to run. 
before we get into our our, our kind of top fives. All right. Did you fuck with any of the prison TV shows like Prison Break or Oz? Oz. And let me tell you, that was a disap. That end. I watched all six seasons of it mm-hmm. um, about two years ago. Okay. Uh, when I first got streaming. And um, I was like, let me see what, what they talking about. Now, there were some classic moments in there. The, the first few seasons yes. were pretty good. Maybe up to like season three or four were pretty good. And then thereafter was like, come on, why are y'all acting like this? Mm-hmm. Y'all totally doing 180s from. And then it also became the fact of what hip hop. <laughs> icon can we oh, put in yeah. this season Lord Jamar uh, Method Man <laughs> yeah. I was like come on yeah. oh, y'all stunt casting you start now. stunt casting yeah. at that point yeah and then the ending of the whole thing was like oh, then, you, then it becomes like uh, what was it, New York Undercover yeah was like we're gonna play a cool song we're gonna cast a cool actor a cool musician or something mm-hmm. you know which the only show that ever really did that well, I think, was maybe Miami uh, Vice, mm. you know, where they would kind of do elements of that. But yeah, yeah uh, Oz, Adebisi, Schillinger. Oh, man, I listened yes. to a podcast interview with J.K. Simmons recently. Very good. Okay. Uh, he talked about Oz. And my wife, so my wife was an Oz watcher, yeah. viewer. I was not. I would side watch it, uh, you know, while she was while she was checking out the show. And so she would talk about it. As a matter of fact, when Adebisi showed up in uh, The Born Identity, she was like, Adebisi! <laughs> it's Adebisi! Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but we, she, she made the point. She said, whenever somebody had to go to solitary, they strip them naked, yes. and then you got to push their naked ass in solitary and then slam the door behind them. Mm-hmm. And she said, she, why do they always have to get them naked and then kick them in there? Why can't they just let them walk in? No. You got to demoralize them. <laughs> yes. Kick their ass in there. <laughs> and so in the podcast interview with J.K. Simmons, he was being interviewed by Bill Simmons, as a matter of fact, on a Bill Simmons podcast. Okay. Uh, and they talked about some of the greatest Simmonses in pop culture. And they went through like football players and other act- <laughs> actors, the other Simmonses. But um, he said, yeah, he talked about that. He said, yeah, he said, the first time that I went in, he said, you know, I'd been on the show for whatever, whatever. That was his first steady job, re- really big steady job, because he had been a theater actor. Mm. And then he started working in theater with some film actors and television actors. And he saw what kind of money they were making. Mm. He's like, I, I got to do this. Yeah. And so he lands this role. But he said he had been eating good, so he had gained weight. So he says, the first time you see me get put in solitary, he says, I'm kind of curled up in the corner covering myself because I had this big gut. <laughs> So, and he said everybody had to do the naked get put into into yeah. solitary scene. So he said, I knew the next day, the next time they were going to do it. He said I started you know working out and working with a dietitian whatever and lost a bunch of weight. So he says if you notice the next time they put me in, was, he says I was lean yeah. and he says and I made sure I, I walked in. <laughs> buns blazing <laughs> he said I walked in buns blazing he said because I wanted to show everybody yeah you know yeah. I got it together and if you see JK now he's in great shape oh, for yeah. like a 60 something 70 year old man yeah, he is. yeah he's in he's in great shape but yeah but oh man yeah eyes man like all those characters really became it played with all of those and what it, what it had the benefit of and like most of those TV shows mm-hmm. I imagine it has the benefit of time to expand on tropes that don't become tropes within this show. Like, they are, but then it expands to, okay, what's the aftermath of this? Right. And also, too, like, in movies, movies tend to have to speak in bigger, broader strokes. 
on a television show, nuance. you can put nuance in between. Yeah. So, yeah, you're seeing them drink the prison wine, but you're getting other elements of character and story in between that mm-hmm. that you don't get from a movie that only has two hours or less right. to tell its story. Um, my wife also watched uh, Orange is the New Black. She really okay. liked that show. And um, and I watched a little bit of that as well. But again, it, pretty brutal. Mm. The male guards are having sex with the female prisoners. Hmm. It's it's but I mean, but it's it's not known for its brutality. It's known for its characters and take. Now, I thought it's it a was, prestige show. Right. And I thought it was um, I'd never seen it, but I had gotten the impression somehow that it was somewhat comedic. Is that not the case? There is uh, there are humor elements to it. Yeah. OK. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like a Netflix series would be where it's serious, serious, funny. Mm-hmm. Serious, serious light, serious, serious lights. You know, there's going to be th- those moments to, to break the tension. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'll tell you something when we finish recording that uh, that was interesting about that show. But all right. as far as your top five go, what would you say are your top five? And we never talked about in detail the movie Life, <laughs> which I like that movie. Yeah. It's funny. And I like those characters. And I like a lot of those actors in there. Bernie Mac and uh, Miguel Nunez mm-hmm. and... Um, um, Booking Woodbine and, um, and even, I, even Heavy D's in it. Heavy, I forgot Heavy D was in yeah. that. Yeah, Heavy mm-hmm. D. I like a lot of those actors and I like the concept of somebody can get right. I love yeah. that concept. <laughs> but again, the idea that they are imprisoned wrongfully for their lives mm-hmm. is just awful. It's just freaking awful. But what's your, uh, what would be your top five prison movies? Damn, that's a man, that's a tough one. Uh, okay, let me ask you this. You, you you love to set boundaries, so let me make sure I got my boundaries straight before I answer this. They have to be true prison. They movies. don't have to be true prison movies. So they can they be, can they can be they can be adjacent, you know, or or have elements of prison movies within them. Okay, okay. But maybe you like maybe you like them for those those elements. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I like the prison elements of Reindeer Games. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I, I can't lie. <laughs> I like the prison element of Tango and Cash yeah. for, for, for what it is. Like, we're going to beat these guys up in the cafeteria and hang them up and string them up. Where are the guards? Where are the right. guards? Where are the freaking guards? But go ahead. All right. Well, if that's the case, then, okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, I, I'd have to say, um, and I can't even rank them in no particular order. I'll just say them. Number one would just be um, White Heat. I don't know. I love that. I love, I love White Heat, movie, too. man. Just... For the scene we already mentioned, but also just that the broad, just Warner Brothers production of it, mm-hmm. you know, prison movie. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It, it's that, almost a prison epic. Yes. When you really think about it, you know. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, it has all the elements. You get a hierarchy, you get everything in there, plus a prison break, a dramatic prison break. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And Cagney just makes that role, you know. Out of those Cagney prison movies, I would say that's the best one. For me, mm-hmm. although, man, those other ones are pretty good. So there's that. Um, another one from back then. I was a fugitive from a chain gang with Paul Mooney. Mm-hmm. I can watch that over and over and over again. I really love that one. Mm-hmm. That That's a great, great movie for, for what it is. You know what I'm saying? Really good. Um, number three, Shawshank Redemption. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's another one. That's You know, it never fails to move me every time I watch it. When Dufresne is out there in the rain, that's it. That's it's it. Like, oh. You feel his sense of the elation and 
you know, freedom and, you know, and literally the, uh, the, the cuffs and the, uh, the weights coming off of him, you know, yes, falling off of him, you know. Exactly. That's like one of those movies where as a, as a, it's one of those human condition movies where it's like, you really get a sense of like, not only that character, but you yourself could sense yourself in that situation. Like I'm free. Mm-hmm. It's like this character is free. Ah, I'm free from, you know, having to endure this whole situation that I've been watching for the past hour and hour and a half you mm-hmm. know what i'm saying so there's that uh number four bad boys tough movie mm-hmm. tough movie as we described last episode mm-hmm. but great uh number five damn number five that that last let me slide. let me insert right away we didn't talk about the hurricane either oh yes yeah we didn't uh. talk about the hurricane which is it's kind of a wrongfully imprisoned mm-hmm. movie but it is a prison movie yeah to, some, to a great extent but but go ahead and that's true finish your number five that's true uh, number five, man. Dang, that's tough. <laughs> All right, damn man. I'm just, gonna, I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna throw one, throw one out there. It's okay. It'll probably change tomorrow. Um, I, I'd say, I say each dawn I die. Like I can watch that okay. over and over. Like I really can watch those older ones over and over again. The more modern ones, you gotta take those in stride. It's like. They're, they're a bit they're, tougher. They're so gritty and so hard yes. to watch, and they they it feels so real. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's one of those. It's like, oh no! Can I, let me switch that out. Okay. Number five would be the prison part of Goodfellas, where they're cooking everything up, and Karen's having to come visit him okay. and smuggle stuff in, and you see that his mistress has been visiting him in prison, and Karen's like, "Why do I do all this stuff for you, huh?" Karen, Karen, it's all right. It's all right. We're going to be okay. Just keep bringing the stuff. <laughs> That's a good Leonio. <laughs> you know, it's some key. Keep bringing the stuff. going to be all right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that is, And those are good sequences. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And just a little bit of an aside, I love it when they mention the Atlanta Penitentiary in movies, you know, because that's where they got shipped to. No, 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 no. One of the characters does time in Atlanta when they break it down, mm-hmm. when Ray Liotta and the rest of the gang mm-hmm. go to prison, each of them is shipped to a different prison, mm-hmm. and they mention one of them uh, goes to the Atlanta Penitentiary. What I, remember, what I remember about the Atlanta Penitentiary down here, of course, back in 87, I was so scared as a seven-year-old when the Cubans started rioting in there. I don't know if you remember that. I remember that, yeah. I was Swiss. I was afraid because we stayed in East Atlanta and Grant Park was not that far away. No. I was so scared mm-hmm. that they were going to escape from mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. When I saw them burning mattresses and stuff on the news and they had that thing went on for a long time. So I thought that they were going to escape and come to my apartment complex in East Atlanta. and was just going to be marauding. Yeah. Like, I was so afraid. man. It, it had reached like, Day six, day yeah. seven kind of stuff where it's like, okay, this is like a regular thing now. I was starting to get scared. Yeah. You see it on the news. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So anytime somebody mentions the Atlanta Penitentiary, yeah, it's over there by Grant Park. And I remember that Cuban riot back in 87. Yeah. 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 I remember that. That's a good list, man. Some of those movies, I, I don't know. I don't I obviously know White Heat and Shawshank and Bad Boys. Yeah. I don't know uh, I Die at Dawn. At Dawn, I Die. Oh, it, it, well, Each Dawn, I Die. Each Dawn, I Die. And I don't know. I, I was, was a fugitive. fugitive one. But you changed Each Dawn, I Die to, to Goodfellas. To Goodfellas. Yeah. Okay. All right. So my top five would be uh, definitely The Longest Yard. Mm. Love that movie and despised the remake. 
<laughs> As you should. Despise the remake. I shit on the remake. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> um, Long and Short would be number one. Okay. Uh, number two would be Bad Boys. Mm. Number three would be Shawshank. Mm. Number four would be Startup. Okay. That jumped right on, on in my top five as soon as I saw it. Yeah, I was going to say, that's a recent edition. Yeah, okay. recent edition. Yeah, like I said, that might have come out in like 2019, I think, something like that. Okay. Number five is going to be the prison portions of The Wire. Oh, okay. That's all, a good one. All of the... Yeah, you know all of the uh, 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 Avon Barksdale pieces, the uh, Omar pieces, yes. the uh, uh, D'Angelo pieces in yes. prison, all of the prison pieces oh. in the wire. Oh, that's my number five. Oh, good call. That's good that's call. my number there five, yo. That's yes, my sir. number five, yo. Yes, sir. Just uh, just well done. Just mm-hmm. freaking well done. And that sequence with him is string. Where you at, string? String. String. <laughs> Where you at, String? <laughs> oh, man. Just let me be. Just let me be. Yeah. I just want to breathe. Yeah. Hey. But, um, yeah, so that's it for me. Mm. Excellent. Yeah. That concludes this episode of Sidebar Forever, hosted by Dwight Clark, Swain Hunt, and Adrian Johnson. You can find us online at sidebarforever.com. Any emails or questions can be directed to us at sidebarforever at gmail.com. And also, subscribe to us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram.